Sandy Clough and Sean Trotar. Weekdays at 2 on Mile High Sports. Welcome, everybody, to Sandy and Sean. Sandy is off today. I'm Sean Trotar. Big game. Big, big, even is the appropriate way to put it. Huge, enormous, game of the year type stuff coming up for the Colorado Avalanche tonight when they take on the Edmonton Oilers, uh, two of the very hottest teams in the league, two of the most talented teams in the league, two of the best scoring, most entertaining, most watchable teams in the league going at it. Uh, There are ramifications, of course, for the playoffs for the Avalanche, and we'll get into that. Todd Romero of uh, Altitude Television will join us later in the program to talk about that. But there's a part of it where you just look at it as a fan, right? I mean, just as a fan of the Avalanche, as a fan of hockey, as a fan of sports, these are the kind of games that you want to see. I mean, this late into the year, you have this kind of matchup that's important for both of these teams as the standings are right now. The Avalanche, three games remaining in their schedule. They have a game in hand over the Stars and the Wild. Both the Stars and the Wild won as expected last night against inferior competition. Dallas with one of four points tied with the Avs, even though the Avs do have that game in hand, which will go away tonight. Game in hand hardly matters when you're talking about two or three games remaining. The Avs with five straight wins tied with the Kraken, who, as it stands, would actually be their first-round opponent, potentially, with five straight wins. Top team in the West is Edmonton with seven straight So, I mean, this is as good as it gets. The Bruins in the middle of the two, of course, uh, with their ridiculous season that they're having of won six in a row. But these are two teams going in the right direction. I mean, the Avs have a plus 52 goals, goal differential. The Edmonton Oilers, plus 61. That's the best in the West, as you can imagine, given the fact that they've already scored 318 on the season. That's the most by far. No other team has 300-plus goals, not only in the West, but in the entire NHL, behind the points from Connor McDavid and teammate Leon Dreisaitl. These two guys, uh, year in and year out, are always near the leaders. They are number one and number two in points this season, 151 and 124, respectively. Obviously, they're working as a tandem. Now, worth noting, Nathan McKinnon with 107 in 68 games, mind you. That's the lowest of anybody who has 100 or more points, by, get this, at least nine. And Miko Randon, with 54 goals, now tied for the most in Avalanche franchise history, is ninth in the league. There are 10 players in the entire NHL that have 100 points at this stage of the season. Four of them are going to be in action on the ice at the same time tonight when the Avs and the Oilers go at it. So you like star power, you like goals, you like points, you like excitement. Yeah, this is going to be your game. And it's an important one for the Avalanche. You want to maintain that lead over the Dallas Stars. The NHL's initial tiebreaker ends up being regulation wins. Not regulation and overtime wins, I guess if you're going to go that way, which it probably should be. But anyway, Dallas has 37 regulation wins. The Avs have 34. So it's going to be almost impossible for the Avs to go ahead and break, get that tiebreaker. They're not going to be able to do it. You have to win this Central Division outright. They can take a two-point lead. And with a win, in regulation at least, would they be able to hop over Edmonton 
with 106 points and be the number two team in the entire Western Conference all by their lonesome. Now, they'd be that anyway, given the fact that if they won the Central, that's where you stand. But it gives a little bit of weight to the way that the Avalanche have been playing, and it's really been remarkable. Now, obviously, this is going to be a big, big game tonight. We want to know your thoughts on it. The call and text line, 303-831-1340. Have some time today. Uh, Sandy's out. So I'll, I can take a few more calls if people are interested and want to talk about that Avs game tonight. We can do that as well. Obviously, it's going to be a fun one. It is on ESPN. You'll be able to see it everywhere. 7.30 puck drop, even though it is here in Denver. And if you're curious about how the folks in Vegas see it, they have, actually have Edmonton favored slightly on the money line at a minus 110 to win. Not exactly the Boston Capitals game tonight where Boston's a minus 335. <laughs> it's almost comical. But for the Avalanche, uh, this is sort of everything. And their playoff run really starts now. It's worth noting the Wild will be in action against the Jets. That's an important game for both teams. The Jets, as it stands, uh, trying to hold on to that last wild card spot. They hold it just barely right now over the Predators, the only other team that can catch them. Calgary, despite having 91 points, Nashville's 90 is actually eliminated because they played one more game and can't jump over Winnipeg. So Winnipeg needs that win. Minnesota needs that win. So that's a major game tonight that people will be paying attention to as well, and the Avs can be as well, but you're not going to be scoreboard watching for that. Uh, Kraken take on the Golden Knights tonight in other games with implications in the West. But in this case, the Avs have done everything that you've hoped they would do to have control over their own destinies. This is a, a team that now has earned its way into being in charge of things. They went out, they will win the Central. They went out, they will be the number two seed. And they will have the second best record at worst in the West. Realistically, although it's not impossible, uh, the Avs could catch the Golden Knights were the Knights to lose tonight to the Kraken, which I suppose is not entirely out of the realm of possibility. They'd have 107 points. If the Avs went tonight, they'd have 106. Both teams would have two games left. The Avs would actually be in play for the top seed in the West, though that is less of a concern. This is a team that has actually been better on the road than they are at home. The Avs 21-13-5 at home, 28-11-1 away from Colorado, and that tracks with how they were last year in the Stanley Cup run that saw them claim the title where they were tremendous away from Colorado. But you'd like, especially in this opening round, you want to avoid the Stars in the Wild, two teams that are not particularly good matchups for the Avalanche. You'd like to avoid them both, and you can't. Seattle would be a particularly good matchup for the Avalanche. Have an opportunity to see old friend Philip Grubauer, but the Avs are simply a better team, and I don't believe they'd be pushed much past five games. So that's a good matchup, and you would rather let the Stars in the Wild beat up on each other for a potential seven-game series before having to deal with that. Vegas's case, uh, they still sit atop the West. Edmonton, second in that Pacific at 105. The Kings at 102, an opportunity lost from them when they lost to the Avs. But then again, they have won their last game and find themselves still firmly in the mix. So there are some really good teams in a very compressed part of the Western Conference. I mean, look at that. Your top six teams, the ones that aren't in the wild card position, five points separates first from sixth. That's it. 
So it's tight. And the Kings trying to get wins because the Kraken, of course, only two behind them. So you have a, a tremendous amount of strength at the top. It is not quite as top-heavy as it is in the East, but for the Avs, we're at a simplified part of the season, folks. The Avs don't care. Avs fans don't care. The East is irrelevant. Curiosity with the Bruins, I suppose, to see what they do. But the Avs don't have another game against anyone in the Eastern Conference unless they're in the Stanley Cup Finals. So that's the, the scoreboard watching starts to go away really quickly. Edmonton tonight, and then back-to-backs Thursday and Friday at home against the Jets, and then finishing up against the Predators. Predators, of course, still, as I pointed out, slightly alive, mostly alive. Princess Bride, uh, Billy Crystal, is only mostly dead. They're only mostly dead. It means they're barely alive. But one more loss for the Predators would do it, perhaps for the Avs. Uh, that would be solved by the fact, by the time they get there, maybe that wouldn't matter as much, although you're certainly not worrying about tanking when you're still in the mix with three games left. There is some pride to be won there. So this is a tough stretch, but it's not one the Avs can take for granted the rest of the way. They need to win out if they want to assure themselves the division. The bright side is they've earned that by having an extraordinary run in which they have lost two games since March 11th. That's a month. That's it. So this team has been uh, extraordinary. They've gotten outstanding performances. Pavel Fransos is back. Good news for the Avs. Uh, none of it being of immediate situation tonight. Uh, Kale McCarr skating today in the red non-contact jersey over at Family Sports. Arturi Lekkonen also is getting closer. Bowen Byram expected to play tonight. So Bowen Byram expected to be back after the illness that has kept him out couple other incentives for Bowen Byram to do it, quite literally, if Byram plays in the final three games. Now, this is obviously not <laughs> it's not the major concern for the Avs, but it's probably a very significant concern for Bowen Byram because if Byron plays the remaining three games, he'll get to 42. That's the minimum for certain bonuses in his contract. Has to get little bit more than 50% of the season. He's played 39 games. If he plays the last three, he gets to 42. If he gets to 42, no matter what he does, because of the season he's had, he's already hit his time on ice by games played and points by game played bonuses. So as long as he plays in the next three, Bowen Byram earns himself an extra $425,000. Not bad. I think I'd take that. All you have to do is make sure you play. Some other interesting stats, too, by the way. Uh, Eric Johnson with 92 shots on the years. We're getting sort of near the, the end of the season. Has the most shots in the league without a goal. Maybe a little something. Maybe there, maybe that means you're due. I mean, if no one has had more shots in the without a goal in the league, maybe you're due. So we will find out. But a, a huge game. Absolutely monstrous coming up for the Avalanche. And for... Fans of hockey. This is just going to be a treat. Uh, Danny Bailey's in the booth, and, and and Danny, obviously, this is an important game. We The Avs need to have it. They need to go ahead, and, and it's a statement game. They've been kind of playing some underwhelming teams for the most part, like the Kings notwithstanding. Teams they should win, and they've gotten it done. But make no mistake, what they're going to see with Edmonton, this is the way it goes from here on out in the Stanley Cup playoffs. To me, this feels like it's a bit of a, 
a benchmark, a game that maybe the Avs need right now to get that good confidence, a good feeling going headed into the into the playoffs. Yeah, it's a little bit like um, I don't I don't want to say it's like a tune up game, but in a way it is because it is the level of competition that you're getting ready to go play for hopefully a couple of weeks. And so you need that test. Both these teams, we talk about all the time, how important it is in the NHL to get hot at the right time. So with a seven-game win streak on one side, a five-game win streak here for the Avs, this is, uh, yeah, I mean, it's premier hockey. The the points alone, that was astonishing that they've got four guys. Four of the top ten. And they're tonight. all above 100. That's, <laughs> yeah, that's insane. That's so do you think it's going to be more about – those scores tonight, is it going to be more about the offense or is it going to be more about which defense can buckle down and give their uh, goaltender the most help? Well, that, that's an interesting way to look at it because obviously uh, this is this game's not going to end 1-0. Let me just go ahead and put that out there for everybody. But for the Avs, one of the things they've done when their defense plays well and having Byron back will help because it, it shuffles the pairings around. Now, they don't have Josh Manson yet, of course, but it, it will it will help a lot. The abs, when they're right, do a good job of limiting the number of shots, and that's going to be the key, right? What, 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 no matter what sport you're at, let's say, if you're looking at the equivalent in football, it's Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs' offense. One of the best way to keep him from scoring? Give him as few drives as possible to score on. It's no different, really, in hockey. You want to make sure that McDavid and Dreisaitl don't chew you up. Don't give them the opportunity to get high-danger shots. Limit as many as you can. Now, that's easier said than done when you're talking about these guys, and you won't be able to do it. But the team that does a better job limiting the other does really stand a good chance. Now, the goaltenders are going to have to play great. I'm just, whoever wins this game tonight, I guarantee you we're going to look at a couple saves and say those stole goals away from the other team. That's going to be the way someone's going to win. But I do think this is going to be about the points. And as we go into an NHL playoffs in which we are seeing a lot of high-scoring games. The assumption is scoring will go down once the playoffs hit. I'm not really sure it will because this is the way teams are being constructed at this stage. So this is going to be a really good test. And for both teams, goaltending is going to matter. Defense is going to matter mainly in who can limit shots and who can limit high-danger shots. The Avs can not allow Dreisaitl or McDavid to basically patrol the offensive zone where they want to. They're going to have to make sure that they force them into spots that they don't want to shoot from. They can't leave the slot open. They have to be careful with that. And maybe that means you don't gamble as much. You have Byron. You have Gerard. Uh, you have Taves. Not going to have McCarr. And maybe those guys don't gamble as much. And I would say tonight, actually, given the fact that we know with both Byron and Gerard, the size difference can be a problem. And maybe the Avs are going to have to play a slightly more conservative game defensively and not have those guys crash into the offensive zone and run the risk of a turnover then becoming an odd man rush the other way, which is going to be deadly if you're talking about McDavid and Dreisaitl. But secondary scoring is going to matter on these teams a lot too. So you're going to need to find scoring from a different place. You know, Maybe it's Nachushkin, but maybe it's guy that scores a little less than that. Maybe it's a comfort. Maybe it's a Mulligan. Maybe some of those guys that the Avs have had going of late continue to get it going. Maybe it's Evan Rodriguez. You're going to have to find, I think, some goals from somebody else in this game to win. It simply can't be leaning on Rantanen and McKinnon. 
Obviously, you're going to do that, but that in and of itself, I don't think is going to be enough. To my mind, with all due respect to Vegas, these are the best two teams as it stands today in the West. I don't think anyone's playing better. I don't think anyone is better. I don't think anyone's deeper. I don't think anyone's more dangerous. So this feels very much, and I'm getting ahead of myself given the fact that the the Stanley Cup playoffs is the toughest gauntlet to run in all of sports. But it feels like a Western Conference Finals preview. And as such, if you're the Abs, not only do you want to win it on your home ice, but Danny made a good point there. You're talking about two streaks coming in. You want to win it in any way you can win it. Shoot out, overtime, buy one, whatever. But let's say hypothetically, if you're the Avs, or even flip it, if you're the Oilers, and you beat the other team pretty soundly tonight. There's only two regular season games left. How much did you cool them off? How much would that matter? This is game 81 for Edmonton, 80 for the Avs. If the Avs win this big, does that cool Edmonton off a bit? Does that give a, a first-round matchup an opportunity to maybe steal an early game and make it interesting? We know that Edmonton's had some challenges with that. So, yeah, it's it's a huge game, and it is disappointing not to have McCarr, but the, the Avs have learned to deal with that. And if there is a bright side to it, it's the idea that if you can get it done without McCarr, then when he gets back, what's your confidence level there? That's something the Avs had the opportunity to take advantage of last year when they got Gabe Landeskog back, when they got a little healthier. If you know that you're one of the best teams in the league without these guys, how good will you be with them? And for the Avs, who have been as good as anybody in hockey, this is a tremendous opportunity to not only make a statement to the rest of the Western Conference, but to make a statement to yourselves. Say you are good enough to go back to the Cup Finals as it stands right now. No Landeskog, no Lekkonen, no Manson, no McCarr. And if you're good enough to get there without those four guys, when any of them come back, it's a major boost. So an enormous game for the Avalanche tonight, an enormous game for hockey fans, a showcase for hockey all around North America. Really exciting to see this one tonight. Want to know your thoughts? Our call and text line is 303-831-1340. Good news. By the way, on the Nuggets front, when it comes to the first round of the postseason, I was talking about the Avs game being on ESPN tonight, so you can watch it. Well, equally good news may be coming your way in the Denver market for the Nuggets. I'll explain next on My Life Sports. Sandy Clough and Chandro Tar, presented by Superbook Sports. Download the Superbook app and start winning today at Superbook.com. Here's Sean and Sandy. Sandy is off today. Chandro Tar, you can follow me on Twitter if you'd like at S D R O T A R. Turns out that's all my social handles because there's just not that many S Drotars out there. So turned out to be pretty convenient for me doesn't have to be like Sleeping Panda 619 or something. I actually just got Estrotar, so piece of cake. But 
good news for Nuggets fans who won't be watching any Nuggets this week because as the top seed, they can watch these teams in the play-in tournament, which starts tonight, mind you, uh, beat up on each other a little bit before having to worry about it tonight, by the way, as the uh, play-in tournament starts. The early game will be the Hawks and the Heat out east, and then the Lakers and the Timberwolves as the nightcap on TNT. Of course, the Timberwolves, uh, lots of bad things happen for them of late. Jaden McDaniels breaks his hand, potentially punching a wall. Uh, Rudy Gobert tries to punch a teammate. He gets escorted out. Uh, they're not in a great spot. That would be by the Lakers, are favored by eight and a half as it stands right now. Uh, Anthony Edwards good enough to make things Interesting as well as Carl Anthony Towns. I think you have to be intrigued about how the game will go, but my expectation is the Lakers, who are playing well, will probably win it, and then will probably immediately become the seventh seed. That means the Timberwolves, let's make the assumption that they lose tonight, the Timberwolves then would play the winner of the Thunder and Pelicans game, which will be tomorrow night, Wednesday night. That game would be on Friday the winner of that game would then face the Nuggets on Sunday. The Nuggets will start their first-round series on Sunday. The actual time of the the game is TBD, but they know they will take on whoever that eighth seed ends up to be in the playing tournament. So Lakers and Timberwolves tonight, Thunder Pelicans tomorrow, and then the Nuggets will know who they play for the game on Friday. And that's great because that means the Nuggets will have be facing a team that played only two nights before while they rested, who have played two high-leverage games. And that's the advantage of having that one seed. The good news for Nuggets fans, according to Mike Singer, the never Post, Mike, by the way, the uh, Colorado Sports Writer of the Year, Mike had uh, said specifically earlier today on Twitter, all first-round games for the Nuggets and Avs will be broadcast in a side-by-side format on TNT slash TBS slash ESPN slash ESPN2 and Altitude. No first-round games will be blacked out for the Denver market. The only exception, of course, is the AB exclusive games, but those are over the air anyway. You can grab a coat hanger out of your closet and catch the ABC game. So first-round NBA Uh, TV games as well. By the way, if any of those are on NBA TV, they will also be available. They won't be blacked out here in Denver. So, assuming that that Mike is right and he's not going to go with something like that, and uh, presumably unless he's uh, fully sourced that, there is now comfort level in knowing that you will be able to see all those first-round abs and nuggets games, even if you have one of the providers that is in a dispute with the other provider that I don't really care how that works out because that's not my money and whatever. It stinks for fans. So that's good news because my frustration with this, and I've I've talked about this before. I haven't talked about it since coming back to, to Mile High Sports. But my frustration with how this works is I don't care who's right. I don't care who's wrong. I don't care if there is or there isn't it. To my mind, it looks like two pretty fabulously wealthy companies that are fighting over whatever it is they're fighting over. Hard to find sympathy, obviously, if you're the average fan. But the the risk being run here, I think the challenge for the broadcast partners, and, and, and we'll have Todd Romero on later, and, and it puts a lot of folks in that in, in those roles in a tough position. 
And I certainly have a lot of sympathy for that. But the, the challenge is, look, look where these teams are. The Colorado Avalanche are the defending Stanley Cup champs. And as it stands right now, they're the number two seed. Fully in position to make another run at winning the Stanley Cup. In other words, this is as good as a franchise gets, right? It's as good as it can possibly get. Now, their roommates over at Ball Arena were founded in 1967 and joined the NBA in the 70s. This is the first time they've ever been the number one seed in their conference. They have the back-to-back reigning defending MVP, and although my expectation is he will not win it, the argument that he could is certainly an open question. I think Sandy put it correctly. Over the last three years, the last three regular seasons, there has not been a a single better basketball player on earth than Nikola Jokic. You have likable players in Jamal Murray, in Aaron Gordon. Certainly the talent of Michael Porter Jr. is undeniable. And we don't know where where the Nuggets will end up going. But I, I grew up here. And I assume a lot of you did too. But this is how you become a fan, right? The, the, the team that you can see. The local team is either good when you're young and you, you have a favorite team or you have favorite players. That's how it goes. Things are different now with social media, obviously, with the ability to view so much sports in so many different ways. But by and large, if the team that you could actually maybe go see in person and the team that's on the most in your town is good, you're probably going to be a fan of that team. There's some local civic pride at stake as well, I think, for most people to feel that. But if the team that's local is good, you're going to be a fan of that team. If the team has really good, entertaining players, you're going to be a fan of that team. Just went over the Nuggets. I don't even have to tell you about the Avalanche with McKinnon and Landeskog and Rantanen and McCarr. You could go on all you'd like. The, the, the shame of this is it's been so short-sighted because while these two teams, the Avalanche and the Nuggets, have never, ever, ever been simultaneously this good, this is the best that's ever been down there at Ball Arena, ever. You were watching a championship-caliber team every single night down there. Never happened before. A lot of fans can't see it. And I understand there's there's money involved, and that's why it happens. Money drives everything. But there's money that's happening today, and there's money that's happening in the future. And that's where I think the ball is being fumbled a bit. Because the fans that you're missing out on, the fans should be wearing a Nikola Jokic jersey or a Nathan McKinnon jersey or a Rock and whatever or the Nuggets or the Avalanche. Those are kids that aren't as attached to that team. And so, what are they doing? They're wearing Giannis jerseys and Luka jerseys. And they're watching the Bucks, Or they're watching the Celtics. Or they're watching the Sixers. Or they're watching the Bruins. Or they're watching the Vegas Golden Knights. And those kids won't grow up Avalanche Nuggets fans. Because that's just not how it works. You know it and I know it. You grow up as a, as a fan, and that's the team you're a fan of forever. Now, you may, it, 
expand your horizons, but that's your team, right? I grew up here, and I was young enough to be at least sports familiar before the Colorado Rockies came to town. But I love baseball, so I like the Kansas City Royals because I grew up in Franktown, Colorado, and on a clear night, sometimes you could get the Royals games on the radio. Now, back then, the Royals were actually pretty good. They had George Brett. They had fun players. And you know what? When we got the Rockies, obviously, that, that trumps everything for me. I'm a Colorado guy. I always wanted a major league team here, even though they're awful and they're run very poorly. Uh, still, I'll cheer for the Rockies, but I still cheer for the Royals, which means, yeah, pour one out for me as a baseball fan right now. It's not real pretty. But the shame of this whole TV thing that's gone on for so long now is that a generation of Nuggets and Avalanche fans who would be diehards, diehards, watching these teams at their very best with the best players they've ever had. Nikola Jokic is the best player the Nuggets have ever had. I know that because the best player they'd ever had prior to that was Alex English, and he told me it's Nikola Jokic. So that's the best player they've ever had. They're having the best season when you're talking about standings they've ever had. The Avalanche are the defending titles, title holders, and they might go do it again. And the fact that you are losing a generation of these fans, and you might be losing, ugh, think about this, ugh, to Boston? Really? You're going to cede your fans to the Celtics and the Bruins? Oh, my goodness. Yuck. Sweet Caroline, you know where. That's the thing that's a shame of this. And, okay, it's maybe looked at it and said, okay, well, that, that money's not really impacting us right now. Well, maybe it's not. But we do know this about Colorado. People who get here tend not to leave. People who grew up here try not to leave because, you know, everyone in the country is trying to get here. But those are going to be your potential season ticket holders down the road, right? Those are going to be the ones you want to hit up for 82 games of the Avs and 82 games of the Nuggets. But 15 years from now, 20 years from now, when they're at the point where they're going to buy those beers and buying those tickets, they're not actually going to be fans of your team. What does that cost? And then we're not talking beyond that. There are three things that get handed down through a family. Two of them you don't talk about in public discourse. Part of the reason we talk about sports. One's politics, one's religion, one's your sports fandom. By and large, you're pretty much the same as your, your parents were at least for a long time. And so you don't lose just this generation, you maybe lose another. And so this has really been a shame to see this happen, especially at this time. So uh, however this is working, with the NBA, with the NHL, to make sure that these first-round games are available for people to watch them no matter what provider they have is really good news. Thanks to Mike Singer for doing the work and reporting that. Of course, follow Mike on Twitter at msinger. It's terrific. I have to have him on. It's been a while. But that's great news for fans. And I'm delighted to see that be the case. There's a really interesting piece in the Denver Post that Sean Keeler wrote. Kind of putting it together about how challenging and how, how 
Denver is in many ways becoming sort of, and the term, their term was ground zero, for the way that sports broadcasting is going to go in the future. We know that the Rockies are being roped into a challenge in which their broadcast partner, AT&T Sportsnet, which was then purchased by Sinclair, purchased by blah, 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 blah. Regardless, they're going broke, and the Rockies don't know how long they're going to have broadcast rights. That affects 14 different baseball teams right now. So you're in a, in a weird spot. And the idea of bringing products to fans is changing. Uh, Apple TV, Apple gave a few billion dollars to the MLS, Major League Soccer. And you pay for their yearly thing, 80 bucks or whatever. But the difference is, unlike all the other ones, no blackouts anywhere. Every team, every game, doesn't matter, whatever you like. The problem is right now, if you were a Denver fan, if you were a Nuggets, Avs, and who knows, in another month, a Rockies fan, and you wanted to actually watch all your teams, you know the best way to do it? Don't live in Colorado. How messed up is that? Because that's your best way to make sure you can catch all the games. You have to not live here. That is not a good scenario. But maybe... These are the pressure points that start letting these leagues and these teams evaluate the way that they put these broadcast packages together that make sense. Now, there are challenges because I, I, can, I can feel it. I can feel the disturbance in the force all the way over here. Where, But, Sean, how come everyone just doesn't do a la carte? How come everyone just doesn't do an a la carte situation? I can just pay this for MLB TV and just pay this for the Rockies. Uh, okay. There's a good argument for that. There are reasons it won't work, and that's what's complicated about this. I'll explain that next on My Life Sports. This is Sandy Clough and Chandro Tar on Mile High Sports. I'm Sean Drotar. Sandy Clough is off today. We're talking a little bit about the, the good news, by the way, that all first-round games for the Nuggets and Avalanche will be broadcast on something you can see. If you can see it on altitude, great. As long as you have either TNT, TBS, ESPN, ESPN2, NBA TV, whatever it's on, you'll also be able to see it in Denver. According to Mike Singer, the Post, they will not be blacked out in the Denver market. So great news. But we're talking a little bit about the challenges of how to break this log jam of not only what's happening in Denver, but what's happening all over the sports world when it comes to broadcast rights. Now, with the exception of the NFL, who is entirely immune from such things because they have wisely committed from day one to keeping most of their product over the air, not even on pay television. And as they diversify and get into that a little bit, most of their product is still on over-the-air free television. They just make it in an ad revenue. But before we left in the last segment, the idea was how come you can't do an, an a la carte thing, right? I mean, I, I, I was of that understanding for a 
few years, thought I used to subscribe to MLB TV and was frustrated. Okay, can't I get the, the Rockies on this? I can't, even though I have the local broadcast that I can have it. And eventually they tied it in that you could then do this convoluted. It'll log into your television streaming account and then you can view it through the app. And a lot of them do that. Now I get it. But the thought process, for example, is, okay, why not just save how much it would just pay X and whatever it is to just watch your team instead of NFL Sunday ticket. How about you just pay a third of it to just watch your team? This has been what a lot of fans have been clamoring for for a while. Well, here's why it's not happening. You're not going to like the answer. And we'll just use the Rockies for an example. Because if you start going a la carte, then you have to start again. The markets start mattering again, right? The Denver media market is the 16th largest in the country. But it's dwarfed by New York or L.A. or Chicago or Houston. That's where most of the baseball fans are, right? That's why there's multiple teams in New York. That's why there's multiple teams in Los Angeles. That's why there's multiple teams in Chicago. Most of the fans live there. So the smaller market teams would then be back in the same problem that they've had forever, right? The idea that how do you get teams to pay attention? How do you get folks to pay attention to smaller market teams? If you could just buy your own team and never had to peak anything else, okay, that's one thing. The other problem is even more direct. Let's just use the Rockies as an example. If a major thrust of, let's say, a hypothetical MLB TV was that you could get the Rockies without blackouts for all their games for whatever, 99 bucks, just throw a number out there. Then all of a sudden, the Rockies' wins and losses are what drive the sales, not the league itself. The reason that leagues have these packages is because it allows the leagues to negotiate the entire product. It's the same it's the reason we call them franchises, right? We call these sports team franchises. Fast food burger joints don't do advertisements at the Super Bowl based on the one in Denver or the one in Peoria, Illinois. They do it as a company. The franchisees then reap the benefits because the strength of the overall brand is what has the purchasing power. Going for team a la carte situations for that eliminates that. Now it becomes about the individual franchise's ability to generate wins and losses and do it consistently. And in certain sports, that can be really challenging. Certain ownership groups eh, maybe don't find that as important as maybe fans should be. And the flip side of that would be, I guess you would incentivize every team maybe a little bit more to try to get wins. Sure. But it doesn't always work that way. So that's why you're not going to see something like that for a long, long time. You are more likely to see something along what Apple did with MLS where your yearly bill will cover all the games for all the teams. But imagine that anyway. I don't know how many MLS fans are out there, Rapids fans are out there. Would you pay 50 bucks a year to watch all the Rapid games on streaming? Would you do it? I'm sure some of you would. I'm sure some of you would. I'm sure a lot of you wouldn't. In fact, I'm sure most of you wouldn't. 
that's no criticism of the Rapids or soccer fans. I like both myself. But it's just an understanding of the reality that there's not all that many. It makes the economics strange. Now, what Apple's done is made the bet that, well, okay, if you're enough of a fan, you might pay 50 for your one team. Maybe you'll pay 80 and you'll just get every team and you never have to worry about anything. You just turn it on to our Apple TV and you can watch whatever you want. Boom. Right? That's probably the right bet and probably where this is going to go. But the question is, what does that mean for consumers down the road? We don't know. Is there a future in which you could just, if you're a sports fan, you could just say, I'm getting Apple's MLS pass. I'm getting MLB TV. I'm getting NBA TV. I'm getting NHL center ice and NBA center court and NFL plus, right? Or a future Sunday ticket that doesn't have blackouts. And that remember, it goes to YouTube this year. So now a fully digital product. And that's what your yearly budget is to watch sports. Yep, I could see that. But they'll be able to raise the prices for that. You know, 200 per per league. Sure, easy. NFL, maybe more than that. Sure. So let's say you're in for a, a grand. If you want to watch all the local professional teams every year. Now, maybe that'll work for you. Maybe you're like me. And I have a cable package that costs over $100 a month, and I don't use 90% of it. I use a handful of channels. And otherwise, I'll catch stuff on streaming like like everyone else does. So maybe that ends up being a, a cost that isn't all that much to bear. Maybe that makes it better for cable packages because, as we know, uh, whether it's news channels, whether it's sports channels, they're subsidized by everyone else's bills. The same thing, the same function right? Channels with low ratings want to be a part of a certain pack, whether it's Comcast, whether it's DirecTV, what, what have you, Dish Network, who cares? Lower performing channels want to be on those because they're covered by the ones that get big viewership. All of this works the same way. The sports package of it works in microcosm of what the overall broadcasting sports landscape looks like. It's all the same thing from a business standpoint. Just one is slightly larger than the other. And that's where the majority of this dispute with Comcast and Altitude over the last few years have come from. They're sort of after the same thing. But one requires the other. And so hopefully this is a good sign for fans across the the front range. You'll be able to see the Nuggets and Avs at their best being able to take on, uh, by next week, an extraordinarily fun week of playoffs that will begin. And you'll get to see all of it. Presuming you have at least the the basic cable packages that require that. So that's great news. And maybe the ratings will be really good, and maybe they'll start to realize that this needs to change. I hope so. I don't know how it's going to go. It's going to be a slow process. It's going to be a painful process. And for fans, it's going to be tricky. Go go get an opportunity to go read Sean Keeler's piece earlier this week over the Denver Post about it. Really good, well-thought-out piece of how this is going to function. This is something that's been banging around uh, for discussions for me for a long time as to how this will work, how to crack this code. And nobody really knows. That the streaming world is an interesting one. Obviously, it's very convenient for viewers, for the most part. Assuming you have internet. That's fast enough. But 
I also know people have gotten to the streaming world and go, wait, I have like six different streaming services now. What's the difference? It's basically the same as when I had cable. So this is just a strange process that we're going through, and sports is kind of right in the middle of it, and sports in Denver is right in the middle of all of that. So that's where all of this stands. And as it evolves, at least for Avalanche Nuggets fans, you know you don't have to worry about it until next year. Because the rest of this year, you're going to be okay. First round games for the Avs and Nuggets will be on normal basic cable package partners. By the time the second round rolls around, they're all on the Nationals anyway. That'll do it for the rest of the year. So, that's good news. Want to know what you think about that? The call and text line is 303-831-1340. The idea that you'll be able to, to catch all the games will be uh, will be nice. And maybe at a certain point when the leagues are, are doing something to step in here, and, and that has to be part of the case, right? There has to be some involvement from the leagues to do it. Then maybe that's the impetus for this thing to finally come to an end, is that the leagues would like their best teams and best products on display. And there might be less than enthused that two of their broadcast partners aren't being able to get together and make it work. So good news for fans locally. That part is uh, is pretty exciting. The question for the Nuggets tonight, of course, when you look at that playing game is, is who do you want? I mean, what team do you want to face? That's where I'd like to know your thoughts on that too. 303-831-1340. I can tell you, for me at least, the one I don't want is the Lakers. No, thank you. Do not want the Lakers. The Lakers are dangerous enough with two potential Hall of Famers and LeBron James and Anthony Davis, but though the league has gotten a lot better at it of late, and it really has, star calls are still a problem. And they will be a problem in the playoffs for those guys specifically. So I don't want the Lakers at all. Timberwolves, I like the matchup. I think that the the Thunder and the Pelicans, I have different thoughts than Sandy, but we have a text about it, uh, Danny. We sure do. Broncos 60, a uh, avid listener and texter of the station. Thanks for texting in. He said, don't worry about the matchups. To be the best, you have to beat the best. I mean, that's all that matters to Broncos 60. There's no argument with that. Uh, there really isn't. And, and you're right. And I think this is... You really hit on something I think is going to be fascinating about this because I do think the matchups matter, primarily because I think in the second round, the Nuggets will have a very, very difficult time with the Phoenix Suns team if they're healthy. I think it's a big problem, and I do think you can't ignore the matchups. But if the argument is, if you're the Nuggets and you want to be taken seriously as a championship contender, yeah, that's the approach you need to take. Who do you care? You have home court. You're the top seed. They have to come into your place and beat you. That's the right attitude to have. So for the Nuggets themselves, that's the attitude you hope they have. And same with the Avs, too, as the defending champs. But I think the Avs already have that. They've been there, done that. The Nuggets are trying to maybe to a certain extent talk themselves into some things here. And that's that's a big difference between where these two teams are. And, and that's that's worth worth looking at. Because obviously, you know, when you've won before, you know how to do it. And when you've been injured, that's important. When you're injured, you want to find someone who's won before and knows how to do it. And that's our friends at Burnham Law, 720-845-7001.
Their personal injury attorneys have years of experience fighting for your clients and their clients. Locations in Fort Collins, Boulder, Westminster, Cherry Creek, DTC, Colorado Springs, Cheyenne, the main personal injury office right here in the DTC where we are at Mile High Sports. When you're injured, they push for you to get your maximum recovery by either settlement or trial. They're there to fight for you. So when you're injured, hire the winner. That's our friends at Burnham Law, BurnhamLaw.com, 720-845-7001. The mentality for a championship team that's won one and going for their first, how does it impact the playoff runs? I'll explain next on My Life Sports. His name is MCA. I said howdy. He said 